Hallelujah. We just want to thank you, Lord. Lord, wherever we are gathered, whichever place we are gathered, when we are gathered in your name, you are there in our midst because you promise, O Lord, that you will be here in our midst. And this morning, Lord, even as we are here in in your midst, in this place, Lord, you have given us this time together as a family to spend a few days, a few hours together sharing our lives together 24 by 7 to enjoy each other's as a family, O oh Lord, this morning. We just want to thank you for this awesome privilege. Lord, we can see a taste of heaven, Lord. This place so far away, cut off from the from the hustle and bustle of every day, Lord. You just gave us this time together. We just want to thank you. We want to be, Lord, refreshed, Lord, in this place, strengthened in our spirit, man. Know each, know you even more closely. Know each other even more closely, and walked with you and walked together as a church. And to fulfill your purpose in our lives individually as family, as, a, as families and as a church. To that end I pray that you would bless even Lord our time of fellowship together and even our study of the word together. Speak to us, teach us your ways, show us your paths, anoint us to understand, to know your ways and to walk in the paths that you have ordained for us. Thank you Father. Come at this time into your hands. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory for in Jesus name. Amen. Uh, yesterday, um, Justin and I, we were like having co- allergies and we were just sneezing the, sneezing the, uh, during the night. And I was wondering, why is it like that? No, no. And then I realized that we are so used to pollution. So, <laughs> so when we come to a place which is not polluted, we are, we, we are kind of, we kind of resist it and our body doesn't accept it, no? So it's like we're so used to all the dust and the, and the thing and suddenly when we're such neat, clean environment, we start sneezing. You know, uh, I, I remember when we used to have kids coming over to a place to study, you know, my dad and I used, dad and my mom used to teach them, you know, those guys used to have fever by the time they finish, um, um, the one day of study, one day of studies to have fever. And my dad used to say, these guys are allergic to studies. No, they used to have study allergy. Mm, yeah, so this, I think this is exactly what we are. No? We also got so used to the pollution and then some, suddenly we are put into a clean environment. I don't know how we, how we will respond when we go to heaven. We go from an absolutely dirty world and then we'll go to a spotless, clean, Holy heaven. What kind of, if you don't have resurrected bodies, God, I think we'll start having allergies. We'll be just blowing out all over in heaven, no? See, we are so used to pollution. I was thinking, just thinking about it. I was thinking, my goodness, how much we are used to dirt. And then I, I just want to think about Jesus, the son of man who lived in a spotless, clean, Heaven. And then he has to come in the midst of a dirty, polluted, unsanctified, full of sin universe. And then live among us and live a spotless, clean life. You know, how much, 
What kind of a change that he had to go through. And then I, I was thinking about it. God, you really, really loved us so much. You loved us and that you identified yourself with us in our sin. And then you died for us, a sinless, spotless lamb. You became sin for us so that I could be clothed with your righteousness. You became a curse for us so that I could enjoy a blessing. You were forsaken on the cross so that I could have you as my father and a family on earth called the family, the body of Christ. What a privilege. What an awesome privilege that God has given. Let's look at, I just want to show you one verse from Zechariah from chapter 8. And just, this is not today's uh, teaching, but just, just, just look at this verse. I love this verse just because I believe this is what we're tasting in these few year, few days that we are staying here in this place. This is what the Lord says. I will return to Zion and dwell in Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called a faithful city and the mountain of the Lord Almighty will be called the holy mountain, a set apart mountain. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Once again, men and women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem. Kya baat? You see, men and women of ripe old age are here, no? They're all gray and, no? Each of them with cane in their hands because of their age, okay? <laughs> we see that. Like, look, what a beautiful description of what we are enjoying here. And then the city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing. Wow. I mean, we don't even have to worry, right? Last night, uh, Abigail and Emanuela came home. I mean, came back to the room all by themselves, no? And we were absolutely cool about it because it never, never happened in our life when we were, uh, you know, when we were in, even in our uh, colony, we, even though it's a safe colony, we'd never leave our children alone on the streets. But you know, today, yesterday, we're like, we're absolutely happy because they were just having a blast. It's exactly what the Bible says. The city streets will be filled with boys and girls. See, they just, yesterday, they, when they were, if we were there uh, near the, near the hall, uh, after we had a dinner, they just broke into spontaneous praise. Do you listen yesterday when you, and who started it? The children started it. Isn't it amazing? They just broke into spontaneous song and don't nobody even had to, uh, uh, you know, encourage them. They just started singing. I was just listening to it. Honestly, I was not tired the whole night. I mean, I, I couldn't sleep, but I just was so refreshed. And I was like, boy, this is awesome. And then it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. It may seem a marvelous to the remnant of the people at that time, but will it be marvelous to me? Oh, is it possible for us to live like this? I mean, is it going to be like this? It's not too difficult for me, the Lord says. No. So this, these days we are here in the house. I mean, this is this place. What a beautiful place. I remember I came back. I came a thing in the year 1998 for the first time to this campus, uh, when I was in my youth group. Same hall. This hall was still there. Okay. I was somewhere over there. It, it was not so well furnished those days. We had a youth camp. It was after I was saved. Uh, and then we had a blast and then come, after coming back after so many years and uh, being being here in this place, you know, all those memories just came back and I said, I just want to thank God for what toward him and said, behold the Lamb of God. Who's that? The Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who's preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him. But that he should be revealed to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent 
me to baptize with water said to me, what did he say? Upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen that this is the Son of God. This is the testimony of John. John the Baptist, when he sees, I mean, when he baptizes Jesus, he says, you know what, you should be baptizing me. But then Jesus makes a powerful statement. He says, let it be so for us. I mean, he uses a plural word. For us, you, me, Father, Son, and me. Okay. To fulfill all righteousness. Permit it. Suffer it. And then he gets baptized. And then John says, you know what, I saw the Spirit coming and abiding on this man. And then he says, who is this man upon whom the Spirit is so comfortable, comes and stays? Because, you know, if you see the old covenant, you saw the Spirit coming upon different kinds of people. And hardly you would ever see the Spirit coming and abiding with anybody. Except maybe I think, I think David, yes, the Spirit stayed with him, but you'll see Samson, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, the Spirit of the Lord left him. Saul, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and the Spirit of the Lord left him. And David, he was so close to losing the Spirit of God, and he cries out, he says, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Don't cast me away from your presence. And I was thinking, no, what is, what is that one attribute that made Jesus to be qualified so that to have that kind of an attitude where the spirit would come and stay upon him and remain upon him. Now, is there a plan B? Is there an option for us as believers who are the of, of born of God, born of the Holy Spirit, born like the way Jesus was born, of the spirit, of the word of God, and then who've been Given the Holy Spirit, who've been baptized, some of us in the Holy Spirit, who can speak in those heaven, in those, in that heavenly language. Is it possible for us to be a church, to be a set of people where the Spirit can come and stay? And what is that one attribute that we have to cultivate so that He can come and stay? That He is comfortable in our midst. That he will not be offended. That he will not be disturbed. That he will not be grieved. That he will not say, you know what? This place I don't want to be, and he just departs, and we don't even know it. It's like it's incredible that when Samson, um, he's completely, he's 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 baptized in this in this lust now, and he doesn't even know. He comes to a point in his life he doesn't even know and doesn't even realize that the spirit of the Lord left him. So, what is that one thing that one attribute that we need to cultivate so that God's spirit can stay upon us and abide with us? You know what, if you were there in our our teachings um, through the, through the week, John introduces Jesus as the who? The Lamb of God. And who is this Lamb of God? Let me show you, 1 Peter chapter 1. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, this is verse 18, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. By the way, what Whatever we do before we were born again into the kingdom of God, whatever conduct that we had, whatever behavior that we had, whatever things we were pursuing in life, you know what what Bible says is? It says, it calls it what? Aimless conduct. Purpose, I mean purposeless lives, 
although you believe, some of you may, might think, you know what, I'm pursuing a career, I'm having, I'm, I'm making money, what have you. Whatever, I'm, I'm, I'm pursuing an, a, a degree, whatever be your pursuit. If it were not, I mean, if you are born, I mean, if you're not born again, if you're not a believer, all those pursuits are aimless. Look at hmm, Solomon. You know what he says? The, the, the keynote introduction for, of his, of his lecture is Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 2. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Vanity says the preacher, all is vanity. Five times vanity. Vanity, 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 vanity. All the pursuits that I had in my life. Everything that I pursued under the sun, apart from God, when I come to, when I, when I come to the conclusion of that matter, I, I see that it is absolutely aimless and without purpose. And verse, verse 19 will say, but we were redeemed from our aimless conduct. And this is what it says, with precious blood of Christ as of a what? As of a lamb. And how is this lamb? Without spot or blemish. Pure, spotless Lamb of God. So what is that attribute that, 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 that describes Jesus upon whom the Spirit came and abided? An attitude of a lamb. No, when we think about lamb, you think that these people, the lamb is so weak and, 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 and uh, it doesn't have power, it doesn't have authority, it doesn't have strength. No. You know what the Bible says? The foolishness of God is what? Wiser. The foolishness of God is wiser, wiser than man's wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than the strength of man. That's what the Bible says. And then you know what? This same John the Revelator in uh, in Revelation chapter five, when he's having the vision of the throne room of God, the thrones, the highest echelon, the highest uh, vision that you can ever have. I mean, this is you have principalities, you have powers, etc., etc. But above principalities, you have what we call as a throne room. The throne room is given to him. The vision of the throne room is given to him. And in that vision, he sees the vision of God the Father. And then he also sees something else. In Revelation chapter 5, this is what it says. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that is God the Father, a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scrolls and to lose its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or on under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So what happened? So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, what did he see? Look at what he says. This is the elders who was sitting, the 24, one of the 24 elders who was, who was always pro, uh, pro, casting their crowns before God and then they were proclaiming to him, holy, holy. This is what, the, what one of the elders has to say. Look at what he says. Do not weep, but behold the who? The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed open to open the scroll and to lose the seven seals. And then, you know, John says, oh, thank God. No, where is the lion? Where is the lion? Show me the lion, he says. So what does he see? Oh, he sees a lamb. Look at what he says. Next verse. And in the midst of the elders stood a who? A lamb. So what, what, what does it mean? The person who really has strength of God, the power of God flowing through him, the strength of a lion, the strength of a lion, you know, lions of incredible strength are people who are an attribute or an attitude of a what? Of a lamb. You want authority of God? 
You want the power of God, you want the strength of God, you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you want the anointing of God to, 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 to stay in your life. You want to be a man or, or a woman who has got influence in society. In, I'm talking about positive influence in society, positive influences in your workplace, positive influence in your family, positive influence wherever you study. Positive influence, an influence which will, which when people look at you, they say, man, this man has got power. This girl has got power. This, this man is different. Look at his life. He's humble, but at the, at the same time, he's so sure about himself. He's got authority. He's got strength. He's got power. And whenever he speaks the words of power, they're not normal words. He's got, he's got words of wisdom. They galvanize people into action. They bring conviction to my life. The way and the moment I look at him and I say, boy, this boy, this boy, this girl is different. Can we find such people? This morning, we had five children who were baptized yesterday. And several of us were baptized previously. God is saying, What are we? Are we cultivating the attribute of a lamb? Or are we cultivating the attribute of a beast? If you read through the book of Revelation, you'll have two kinds of people. Two words which keep repeating. The word lamb, which is mentioned about 28 times in the the, the book of Revelation, referring to Jesus. And then there are, there's another word called the beast. About 35 times, okay, 28, 35, okay, 7 times 4, 7 times 5, okay, they're adjacent to each other. 28 times lamb is mentioned, 35 times beast is mentioned. Lamb is a person, I mean, is, a, is a depiction of Christ and the followers of Christ. The Bible says they followed the who? The lamb wherever he went. And then there is a beast, the one who opposes the purposes of God, the Antichrist, etc. So, and I, and I was looking at it saying, Lord, if I want to be a person upon whom your spirit can come and abide, like Jesus when he was baptized, five of you were baptized yesterday, and many of us were baptized in the, in the years, I mean 2002 was the time when I was baptized, 2002, my goodness, 20 years exactly to the date, 20 years, 2002, two decades over, okay. Can the Holy Spirit say, you know what, I found people in GTC where I can come and abide with them? And how many of you want, I mean, honestly, what can we do without the Spirit? Answer? You're not very confident. Nothing? Some of you think you can do something. Nothing. Without me, you can do Even if you pursue the career which you are so good at, that's what Peter said, you know, I go fishing. And eight of of them said, okay, we are also coming. And that night they caught nothing. Deja vu. (laughs) They caught nothing. Children! (laughs) I like that. Children, did you catch anything? And then he says, cast your nets onto the other side. And then Peter says, oh my goodness. John says, he says, John says, oh, it is the Lord. Peter puts his loincloth and just jumps into the waters. You see, so I was asking myself this question. So Lord, what kind of a person, individual I should be 
And in the capacity that you have given to me uh, in, 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 the, in the body of Christ, a person who preaches and teaches the word and encourages people, what kind of an attribute or an attitude I need to cultivate so that you can come and abide with me? What are the attributes of a lamb? The lamb, not just any other lamb, the lamb of God. What are the attributes that I need to cultivate? So that when you come, you are comfortable. When you come, like it's like Jesus is very happy in, in Bethany, in, in uh, the house of, uh, of, of, uh, of Lazarus and Mary and uh, Martha. He's very happy. What can I be? What kind of an individual I should be so that your spirit is happy in my life? What kind of a family I should be? Or rather, what kind of a marriage I should have so that you are comfortable and happy with us in our marriage? And what kind of a family I should, I should, um, develop so that your spirit is happy in my family? And what kind of a church by extrapolation or by extension that I should have where your spirit is comfortable in our midst? And I was thinking, so it boils down, you know, it doesn't boil first, it doesn't, doesn't, you don't start with the church, we start with the individual, right? So, what kind of an attribute or an attitude I should cultivate? What are the attributes of a lamb that I should have so that I can be a, a, a comfortable um, a place for the spirit to come and abide? So that I can experience your power, I can experience your anointing, I can experience your strength, and through your strength, O Lord, I can have a life of influence, a life which will influence other people so that they can follow you as well. I want to look at three in the time that we have. Not seven? Okay, three. So let's look at one first attribute. This is Isaiah chapter 53. We'll just look at a few verses, and I want to just look at one verse, one word. He was oppressed, this is Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 onwards. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a what? As a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And goes on to say, he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And then it goes on to say, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was what any deceit found in his mouth. You know what is the first attribute of a lamb? The attribute of guilelessness. What is that? Ah, guilelessness. Transparent. You know, how many of you BTECs over here? Any BTECs? No, nowadays BTEC is like a, is like a learning license. I mean, learn, driving license in India. Everybody's a BTEC. Okay. Show me a BTEC. Okay. How many of you BSc computer science background? Computers or not just BSc background. Just say science background. Show me. Bachelor of Science, etc. And then, okay, and how many management background? Yeah. Okay, man, MBAs. Okay, you have MBAs, you have BTECs and BSCs. How many of you 10th class pass? Everybody, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm saying, no, one of the things, you know, one of the things that we, that, that we all have, everybody has different degrees. I have BTEC. PhD, that is partial head damage, damage, okay. So we have all kinds of degrees, but one degree everybody has from birth without even going to college is what is called as BA, Bachelor of Arts. 
You know, there's a word for 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 uh, for guilelessness. Another another word which was word which was introduced to when I was a, when I was a younger person, younger person. Okay, not a small boy, younger person. The word is artless. What is that? Artless. What does artlessness mean? Artlessness means a person who is so unpretentious. He doesn't have a BA. No Bachelor of Arts. What is art? We know artists, right? What do they, what do what do artists do? They pretend. It is it is a multi-billion-dollar industry. It is what we call as paying money to hypocrites. No, that's exactly what we do. What is it? Uh, Oscar Awards, no? The best hypocrite in a male role. <laughs> the best hypocritus, if I can use that word, in a female role. The best supporting hypocrite. Okay. And the director who directed all these hypocrites. And the producer who put his money in the hypocrites. And what do we call it? Oscar Awards. And you know, most of these guys who are Bahubalis, they are wusses in their life. They are so fearful, insecure people. They act that as like Narasimha and all that. They are not Narasimha, they are Narapulli only. I don't know what they are. They are absolutely people who have no strength at all, no strength of character. They are natural actors. <laughs> I mean, it's an, it's, a, it's an oxymoron. <laughs> natural actor. How can you be a natural actor? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, isn't it? And you know what? One thing, one attribute God loves. Artlessness. Guilelessness. That is an attribute of a lamb. A lamb is a person who is simple. Simplicity. That's the reason the Bible says, I do not want you to be deceived. Like Eve was deceived by the craftiness of the devil. That you should be, that you should turn away from your pure and your simple devotion or the simplicity that is there in Jesus Christ. That is the reason why Derek Prince says, the opposite of simplicity is duplicity. Duplicate. There is Kate. There is duplicate. <laughs> you see, that is artlessness. The, the 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 devil is a deceiver. Sin is a deceiver. That's the that's the reason the Bible says sin is what at the door, crouching. What is what is crouching mean? Hey, you don't have to take me so so seriously, okay? I'm not there. Act as if I'm not even there. You see, sin deceives people. Lest you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, it says, the Bible says. So what is the one attribute of, of, of a lamb is artlessness, guilelessness. So in the body of Christ, one of the things that God doesn't want is people, I mean, he's working on all of us. We're all <laughs> actors at different levels. Yeah, we act. We try to affect other people's emotions. That's what we call as manipulation. Look at what it says in Daniel chapter eight. The opposite, the beast attribute, the attribute of a beast. This is Daniel chapter eight, verse twenty-five. 
through his cunning, this is the Antichrist, okay? Through his cunning, he shall cause what to prosper? Deceit to prosper. What is that? Oh, what is that? That's what I told you, you know, the multi-billion dollar industry is deception. How do people buy products? Because they are deceived. I mean, look at the advertisements that we, that we enjoy. If you put axe deer spray, who's running behind you? I don't act so innocent now, okay? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody knows that you know. Understand that. It's a, it says, deceit to prosper under the rule, and he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in, his, in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without human means. And what is the attribute of, a, of, of the beast? Deception, duplicity, and pretension. So, one of the things that I want, I want to cultivate over a period of time, it's not, it's, it doesn't happen over in one day, of course. But I want to say, Lord, I want to come to a point in my life where I don't have to pretend. You know, everybody says, justification by faith apart from the works of the law. Oh, what a doctrine. It sounds fantastic. Sola scriptura, sola fide, sola gracia, sola, etc., etc., five solas, and sola deo gloria. The battle cry of the Reformation. But what is the outworking of justification by faith? Look at what it says in Psalm 32. I put, I put it in the KJV, okay? Psalm 32 and verses 1 onwards. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. I'm telling you, the greatest blessing that we can ever receive in our lives is the forgiveness of sins. The most generous gift you can give to others is what? Forgiving their sins. I think the person who is most generous is a person who forgives freely. That is the reason why Jesus asked this question. Is it easy for them, for me to stay, say, pick up your mat and walk? Or is it easy for me to say, your sins are forgiven? Which is easy? Or which is more difficult? Like, think about it now. If somebody sins against you, think about it. The trauma that you have to go through to forgive that person. He, you will forgive, but very difficult to forget. Can you, I mean, can you write off this? I mean, it's like, you know, uh, you can write off somebody's check. It says, I mean, easy to write che- checks off easily, but very difficult to forgive, forgive and forget. Very difficult. Now, think about it, no? Like, like I was telling the other day, so we sometimes, you know, when you're in leadership positions, you get to hear about somebody's, somebody else's sins. When you hear somebody else's sins, it's not very pleasant, actually. You hear all that nonsense that is happening over there, and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't want to hear. Can I show you? <laughs> not enough. <laughs> I don't want to see. Now, I am not actually directly affected by somebody else's, somebody sinning against somebody else, okay? I'm not directly affected by that. But when I just hear about it, I say, oh, I don't want to, I don't even want to hear. Now think about that and think about God whom we sin against every day. Every day. Now I am just being affected by listening to somebody else's nonsense. How much more God whom we sin against every day. And you know what he says? Yet he freely forgives. 
that is the reason why it's an incredible blessing the person who's most generous is not is not a person who can give you money and and etc etc no a person who can truly genuinely forgive from your heart that is a person who is truly generous according to me at least now look at what he says blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is atoned for or covered excuse excuse me and he says blessed is the man unto whom the lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no what no guile in other words a, a person has been justified by faith now he's been made righteous before god that's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 4 when David is talking about the blessedness to whom God imputes righteousness without works. Now what is this person? A person has come to a point, he has been justified by faith, he has not worked for his righteousness, he has been given freely the gift of righteousness, now he has to come to a point where he doesn't have to pretend. That is true. The true outworking of justification by faith is what? You know what? I don't have to perform before God. Ask this, my dear brothers. You want the Spirit of God to abide in your life? Say, Lord, Lord, make me a person who doesn't have to pretend. Who doesn't have to act. Make me a person who is artless. God has promised you a blessing. But the problem is, God cannot bless Jacob. He can only bless bless who? The fact of the matter is, Jacob wants blessing, but he doesn't want to change his attitude. He wants to feign his way into the blessing. What is that? He wants to pretend his way into the blessing. And he says, perhaps mom, I might seem like a deceiver. You are a deceiver. Can we pull off this act? <laughs> In other words, <laughs> we are getting caught. <laughs> you know, the, mo- the more you walk with the Lord, the more the Lord will not allow you to act. If you are a child of God, what you try to hide, God will uncover. You did all the gimmicks and you tried to put all the certificates in, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a lump so that they will not see that certificate. You know what God will do? He will pull that thing out. It happened during my thesis also. I wrote my thesis so perfectly. In a plethora of words. All embellishments and fantastic equations, they look so beautiful, even, even I couldn't understand some equations. <laughs> I said, wow, this is too good, man. And you know the examiner? Uh, Vijay, how did you get this equation? I said, this one? I mean, I said something, no? I just, 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 ah, and then, and then, you know, in, 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 uh, in, in, um, engineering, we call it hand waving. You know what hand waving is? And it's over, okay? Or then, this one, we, we wave our way through the class, no? It's called one, with one, one hand wave. So this, this one, this one, this one. So we are acting. And he thought I knew the subject, oh, so he said, okay, fine, let it go. And after my defense was over, and he said, congratulations, Dr. Vijay. 
And in my heart, I was saying, Dr. Vijay, who? Who? And what next? I'm becoming pastor. Pastor? Oh, really? Who? One month, I was sitting on my thesis with with a title called Doctor and with that equation in my mind. I didn't know what to do now. And I told my prof, Vijay, please, please, just, just leave it now. Just, I said, okay, I'll do one thing. I'll just let me call my examiner. Professor Subir Kumar Saha, IIT Delhi, yes, mechanical engineering department. Called him. Secretary picked up the phone. He knows me very well because, you know, in his entire career, he has never seen a guy who finished his PhD and go into ministry. No? <laughs> so, 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 so I called him, I called the secretary, the secretary picks up the phone and she says, uh, hello. I said, I'm calling from Triple Hyderabad. Uh, this is Vijay. Uh, can I speak to Subhi, sir? Yeah, yeah, one minute. I'll put your call through. And she put my call through and I said, sir, this is Vijay. Vijay, hi, how are you doing? Sir, I'm doing fine, sir. Sir, I just have something to say. You asked me that equation. That equation is wrong, sir. And he said, what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> you see, then I, and then and then I said, okay. And he said, yeah, just let it go. I've seen so many other theses which is worse than this. So, <laughs> I don't know. You see, that one equation. One equation, bros, brothers and sisters. You try to hide something and you know what? God is going to pull that thing out and say, you know what? Don't try to pretend because I've already accepted you in my beloved. Don't. You don't have to do one thing to accept, to, 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 to attract uh, you to myself. I already loved you with an everlasting love. Guilelessness. Jacob is pretending his way into the blessings of God. And God says, dude, I want to bless you, but not this way, dude. And he's pretending and he's pretending and he's pretending and he's tired. I mean, think about it now. All the blessings that he wanted in his life, he got it. Four wives, sorry, two wives, two concubines. And all the children that he wanted, the cattle, bro, think about it, no? All his ideas are working. All his ideas, speckled, speckled. Dark, dark. He's doing what we call as animal husbandry only. He's getting ideas left, right and center and he's prospering and prospering and prospering and notwithstanding the fact that he's prospering, he's not enjoying it. And then he comes to his point in his life, he's so fearful of the brother whom he has deceived. Now he has to be reconciled to the man whom he has deceived. Before that can happen, God is not going to let go of him. And let me tell you children, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you cannot get away with God. God will pull you out. You know why? Because he loves you and he wants to see you with him like this, enjoying his presence all all eternity. God will pull you out. Not because he hates you, not, not because he wants to embarrass you, but because he loves you. Too much for you to pretend. He says, bro, I'm not a Hollywood director. 
So Jacob has to come to a point where he has to pretend, not pretend now, he has to confront his pretense before God and come out clean and tell him, Lord, this is what I am. I'm a hypocrite, a liar, and a pretender to the bone. It is there in my system, and unless, until you touch me, O oh Lord, it's not, it's nothing, 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 nothing's gonna happen to me. And you know what he does? He wrestles with God. Genesis chapter 32. And Jacob was left alone. That's what we need to do. Be what? Be left alone. Not once. Because, hmm, Jacob only once. We are Jacob up to an infinite degree. Jacob to the power of N. You know, when I was in school, we used to have uh, uh, curse words, not curse words, like mathematical curse words, no? Not of the first order. What is the differential equation of the first order? <laughs> Second order, etc. This was a deceiver of the nth order. Several solutions, if you can get it. Hmm? Genesis chapter 30, look at what it says. Yeah, uh, Jacob wrestled a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, look at that. You know, this is a stubborn fellow. The spirit of deception and guile is a stubborn fellow. It doesn't come out so easily. He touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow, hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint and he wrestled with him still. Boy, I love that. Until the what of day? Until the breaking of day. You know what? What is the breaking of day? When God will show himself in all his glory. And when God shows himself with all his glory, no pretender can stand in his presence. And God says, let me go. The break of day is coming. Let me go. Let me go. You cannot stand before me, Jacob. When the day breaks. Because that will be too much for you. Think about it, no? Daniel, one of the most holiest men, it says, I mean, the top three righteous men in the, in the old covenant, Noah, Daniel, and Job. The highest echelon. When he saw the vision of Jesus in all his glory, you know what the Bible says? My comeliness in me turned into corruption, it says. And Jacob is now saying, Lord bless me, Lord. The break of day is coming. Jacob, 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 you're wrestling with me, but you're still not ready to deal with the issue. Many of you are wrestling like Jacob, not ready to deal with the issue, but you still want God to bless you in being Jacob and not being Israel. And God will not bless pretenders. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be a pastor, or it could be a congregation member, or it could be a simple child. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said to him, what is your name now? Tell me your name. Tere naam kya hai? Chor. Main chor hoon bhai. Then he said, you know what? Now I'm not going to call you Jacob anymore. I'm going to call you what? Israel. Some of, one of you, one of the brothers got his name. Israel. What a blessed name to have after baptism. You know what the Bible is saying? To that, to that person, to that brother in particular and to all of us, you don't have to pretend before me. 
You don't have to. And how did he wrestle with God? You know what he did? Hosea will give us an insight in the wrestling match of Jacob. Into the wrestling uh, wrestling match of Jacob. This is Hosea chapter 2, 12, verse 3 onwards. He took his brother by the heel in the womb. And in his strength, he struggled with God. Yes, he struggled with the angel and prevailed. He, what did he do? He wept now. He wept with tears in his eyes and said, Lord, Lord, I'm a pretender, Lord. Touch me. I'm tired of pretending. I'm tired of acting. I'm tired of being what not, not what I, not I am and not, I, I want to be a person genuine before you. This is what I am. I don't want to pretend before you anymore. Look at the other guy. The beast who comes very close to the person who is struggling with God. This is, and, and this is, uh, that is, that, that is what the Lord of hosts, the Lord is, uh, his name, so you by the help of your God returned, observe mercy, etc. Look at Hosea chapter 12 and verse 7. The deceiver, the beast, the lamb and the beast. Look at what the beast, uh, what, what the Bible says about the beast. Hosea chapter 12 verse 7. A cunning, what? The beast is what? A cunning Canaanite. And what does he have? Deceitful scales are in his hand and he loves to oppress. Let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters. The whole world is full of unjust scales and balances. Full of deception. You know, I have, I mean, I have a regular Kirana shop which I go and buy stuff from. You should see the way he tries to fool me and sell stuff to me. Even he tries to sell stuff... You know, sir, kitna meetha bolte hai, sir. Kya baat hai? When did you hear a Marwadi saying like this to him, to you? The same person who says you are so meetha will use the choicest of language with the person who is working under him. I mean, it's, that is a seller. What about buyers? Oh, no, 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 in that store, in that shop, No. It is only 20 rupees. Why are you saying 40 rupees? The whole world is like that. Hagglers. Hustlers. It is worthless. It is worthless. And what does he say after that? Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 20 verse 14. The buyer haggles over the price saying it's worthless. And after that, he goes about and says, Are you know what? This was actually 100 rupees. I got it for 40. I mean, if we have parents coming to our school, no? We mention the fees. No, uh, uh, Gitanjali school, they got admission. And I'm thinking in my heart, I didn't say it out. You send them to Gitanjali, they will teach them Patanjali. And afterwards, it will be Shraddhanjali. Tata Bagai. Gitanjali school. You know, after you become uh, you know, a person who owns something, you don't want to haggle with anybody else. Kitna hai price? 75 rupees. Take it and go, re, Baba. Because the way I think, <laughs> I don't want you to think this way, about me that way. Don't haggle. What if people take advantage of you? Let them take advantage. No problem. I, I remember one pastor. He goes to the shop 
for his Raitu Bazaar, he never bargains. He goes to the shop. What, what is it? 25 rupees kilo. Okay, no problem. He's not going to, he will take you at face value. But the whole world is like that. Canaanites who are hagglers, my dear brothers, they pretend to get the best price. But what are you? Lamb doesn't have to pretend. They followed the lamb wherever he went. Why? Because a lamb will marry. What will he marry? Whom will he marry? After its kind. The lamb will marry a lamb. God is searching out for a bride for his lamb. And he is not looking for goats. He is looking for lambs. Not even sheep. For lambs. Guileless lambs of God. Guileless, artless lambs of God who have given up their bachelor's of arts degree, if you will. No, we are not just bachelor's of arts, we are PMPhil and PhD in arts only now. How children pretend? Oh, we have got some pretenders in our school, small little pretenders. They are actually PhDs in, PhDs in arts. They do not want to come to school and they will make a face. And they will say, you monster. Through their, through their attitude. You monster. How could you do this to me and put me in the class? How can you separate me from my father? That's what we call as moral posturing of, what is that? Feelings over facts. <laughs> so pretense is not the attribute of a lamb. Guilelessness is the attribute of a lamb. And let us ask God, Lord, I want your spirit to abide in me. Make me a lamb who doesn't have to pretend. And who should give the certificate? Not your pastor. The person who can actually give you a certificate is your wife maybe. Closest person who can know whether you are pretending or not. They have wireless transmission, no? They will see one look, they will say, ah, what happened to you? They don't even have to, you don't even have to, our language itself is enough for them to realize whether you are pretending. I love you, honey. Love you, honey. That sounded so robotic. <laughs> Artificial intelligence, if you will. Huh? <laughs> Understand that. Who has to give you that certificate? God. Look at what it says in John's Gospel chapter 1. Philip findeth Nathaniel. I just, this, you know, this passage just drives me crazy, okay? One of the most beautiful passages in the Bible. I just want to kiss it every time I listen, I, I read it. Philip findeth Nathaniel and saith unto him, We have found, this is Eureka, the Messiah. Of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Nathaniel, you know, this guy is a very straightforward fellow. He is not going to be a person who is going to pretend and you will say, uh, what do you think about my food? Ah, it's not that great. What do you think about my drawing? Drawing. It looks like a cockroach. I remember my, dad, my parents used to tell me this, no? Uh, there was this one of his, uh, one of my parents' friends who drew this botany class diagram, okay? 
There's something they had to draw. And everybody got their records. And everybody's, whatever, the animal that they did was looking very beautiful. And suddenly one record came. And he opened the record and he said, Chi, 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 cockroach, cockroach, cockroach. Then, the, then that, sir, that guy said, sir, that is not cockroach, sir. That is my drawing. <laughs> my mother is laughing. This <laughs> is cockroach. No, sir, that is not my cockroach, sir. It is my drawing. So when somebody comes and says painting, sir, this looks very nice, beautiful painting, no? Uh, painting? Nathaniel is that kind of a guy. Painting? This is painting. Which college did you graduate from? Something like that, no? <laughs> okay. So he is not going to pretend, he's not going to mince words, he's going to call a spade a spade. Even if it is Jesus. Nazareth? What good can come out of Nazareth? Oh, Nazareth, huh? Oh, he's not going to be politically correct. Philip says, come and see. Now, look at this. The next verse is beautiful. And Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and he saith of him, Behold an, what? Not Jac- Jacobite. Israelite. Indeed. I like, I like that. I mean, uh, other translations will use the word, a true Israelite. And I, in other words, there are, False Israelites also. A, a true Israelite indeed in whom there is what? What a certificate from the, from the creator of the whole, whole universe and he is like spanning all the world and he's looking at all the people like he looked at all the people in the, in the, during the time of Moses and he, and he said, you know what? I looked at everybody on the face of the earth. There's no man meeker than Moses. Moses, top. One rank number one in meekness. Write it. Sir, I should write it, sir. Yes, write it. No, somebody said, no, the, mo- the most humble person in the, in the whole church. And he got a placard and the next day he wore it. <laughs> but no, this is interesting. This guy says, you're so meek, Moses. Write it down. Moses, the meekest man on earth. And it is not going to even affect him. The most intelligent man in GTC. Write it. <laughs> no, sir, I don't think. Now, this guy, can you imagine how, how artless and guileless he has to be that even when he writes a commendation about himself, it's not going to affect his spirit. And then he says, then look at, he looks at all the people in the world. Did you see this man, Job? A man who's blameless and upright and he walks in all the commandments of the Lord and he, who eschews uh, evil and pursues righteousness. Oh, does Job follow God for nothing? And then he looks at all the people in the world and he looks at Nathaniel. An Israelite indeed in whom there is no what? Can you get that kind of a certificate from God? Man, you can run after any certificate in this world, but this certificate from God if I get, that's enough. Behold Vijay Takota. In whom there is no music to my ears. If God can say, can God say, pursue after these, my dear brothers, not after gifts. You know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. That's what justification by faith means. What? Righteousness of God. Who are the people who are righteous before God? These are the people who cannot. You don't have to pretend. How do you want to go to heaven? A man dignified and going to hell or a man who's justified and going to heaven? There's a Pharisee in the tax collector. 
A Pharisee says, you know what? Oh, I did all this. I'm better than that fellow. He comments himself and says, Shabash. Thank you, God. Kya baat hai? Shabash. Thank you, God. Now the other fellow says, you know what, Lord? Can't even look at you, Lord. How do you want to go? How do you want to leave this earth? How do you want to leave this earth? After all that you've accomplished, how do you want to leave this earth justified or dignified? Rich man went to hell, dignified. Lazarus went to heaven, justified. In whom there is no guile? And Nathaniel said to him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before that Nathaniel called thee, Philip called thee, When thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathaniel, I saw your heart, Nathaniel. Under the fig tree, I was looking at all these people. Under the fig tree, fig tree is a symbol of Israel. And fig tree, may, what is God looking for? He's looking for fruit. And he's looking for fruit of guileless life. And looks at all the fruit. And I saw you, Nathaniel. I saw you. I one genuine man who's crying out for honesty in his own heart. And I can see the heart cry in your life. You're saying, Lord, I don't want to pretend. I want genuine lifeness. I just, I, I want a genuine life. I want to be a genuine person. I want to be a person who doesn't have to pretend. And I know your heart, Nathaniel. I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel answered and said, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. You know what he had? Immediately had a revelation. You know what the Bible says? If you genuinely want to have true, genuine revelation about God, you know what one attribute God is looking for is a person who is artless and guileless. Because I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. You know what you will see, Nathaniel? This is what I'm going to show you. What I promised Jacob, I'm giving it to you. Because Jacob was Jacob. He only had a promise. But in you, it's going to become, it'll become a rea- reality because you're not, no longer Jacob. You are a true Israelite. You know what's going to happen to you? Nathaniel, you will have open heavens. Just like when I came out of the waters of baptism and I had a hope in heaven, Nathaniel, you will have open heavens, Nathaniel. Because I see guilelessness and artlessness in you. And he says to him, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see what? Heaven open. And the angels of God, what? Ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. You will see. Mm -hmm. Nearer my God to thee, nearer to thee. Even though it be a cross that raiseth me. You'll see an open heaven. So that is the reason why, you know what God does? You know, where are, and let me ask you this question. Where is the one place you can be yourself? Think about it. Home, yes. Even if it is home when you are the only believer and other unbelievers also, they are also, they know you. Right? Nobody knows you better than your parents. How many of you agree? So one place you don't have to pretend is where? Home. And church is a what? Home. This is one place you don't have to pretend. Honestly, can you imagine? A place where we are naked and we, we don't have to be ashamed. What, what, what I mean by nakedness is, we're not talking about literal nakedness of course. We were talking about a people who are absolutely transparent with one another, who don't have to pretend, who don't have to affect 
do something to gain somebody else's approval. That is home. Where you are accepted for who you are. You are loved for who you are. For not for what you are. Or what you have become. Parents love people, their children, just the way they are. Isn't it? I mean, I begin in Emmanuel, I just love them. The way they are. I mean, I want them to be so many things, but they don't have to do one thing to, to get my love or my approval. Sorry, my, 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 my love or my acceptance. Approval is different, of course. So in a family, if God is making a family which is artless and guileless, one thing he will not allow in a family, you know what? Pretense. A family which prays together, stays together, okay. A family who don't have to pretend with one another, stays together, is my conjecture. Test it. Test my conjecture. Test. Let me show you. Let me show you. Barnabas, you know, everybody knows about Barnabas, right? Barnabas comes and he sells his property. Oh, your room, living in a room called Barnabas room. Yeah, somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your room is called Barnabas room. Guileless person. Barnabas. Son of encouragement. He sells his property and he puts it at the apostle's feet and everybody say, Barnabas, right hand of fellowship. You'll be one of the apostles. It's a family. They're born again, baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're coming together. They're sharing life with one another. They're living as a close-knit family. Now, it's the, the inception of the church now. And what does God not allow into the church? Spirit of guile or hypocrisy or deception. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 5. But a certain man named Ananias, but a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira, his wife, they had a discussion. We'll do one thing. We will sell our land. We will keep back a what? That is guile. When you keep back a part, you know, we say in English, you're not playing with a what deck? A full deck. You know what a full deck is, right? No, all the cards are there, but some cards are missing. They're all poker players in the in the house of God sometimes, no? They can they can call <laughs> they can they can call your bluff in other words. So God is not going to allow this. So what happened? They had a discussion. Ananias and Safira. Sweetheart, we'll do one thing. We will sell. We'll keep back a part. And you know what we'll do? I will go and put it at the apostles' feet. You don't come, okay? You don't come, you don't come. And everybody will say, Ananias, kya baat hai? They will give you commendation. Peter will say, fantastic, Ananias, you did a great job. And then he will say, behind every successful man, there is a woman. At that time you enter. And then, you know, we will give, we will get this commendation from God. They kept back apart. They are not playing. There's a lot of people, they don't play with the full deck. They come to pastor. They will tell what they want to say. So they get, they get the counsel, what they want to get. And they go and say, pastor said. And it's got nothing to do with the pastor actually. That's what the Bible says. If you come to the prophet and you approach a prophet with a what in your heart? 
With an idol in your heart, you will exactly get the answer according to the idol in your heart. Because you know what? I, the Lord, have deceived the prophet and have answered you according to the idol in your heart. They kept back a part and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said, Ananias, why was, why has Satan filled your heart to do what? To what? To lie. What is lying? Deceiving. Giving an impression what you are not. When you kept back a part and when you're not playing the, with the full deck, when you're saying, you know what, this is what I all, I have all. I mean, this is what, these are all the facts. And you carefully hide. No, that's exactly what happens. No, that's what the, that's what the Bible says. He who comes to the man and speaks an accusation first always seems to be right, until somebody else comes and cross-examines it. Pastor, pastor, you know my husband is. Oh, already you've given an impression. Then the husband will come and something say something about the wife. That is the reason why in counseling, both of them have to come together. Then no pretense. Everything is dud ka dud, pani ka pani. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? That's exactly what happened even in Jericho, right? What did Achan do? He hid. Hiding. Got judged. Understand this. God is not going to allow that. Because in a family is a place where you don't have to pretend. Father and mother, they don't want children who are pretending them before them. In fact, if they pretend, they'll get even more upset. Their heart will break. While it remained. Why did you, you have not lied to God? Sorry, not to men but to God. Acts chapter 5 verse 4. And we know the story. I'm not going to go into the details of it. Okay. And then Peter said, how is it that you together have test the spirit of God? And what happened after that? Great fear came upon all the church. So the first thing a lamb has to have so that the spirit of God can come and what? Abide. What should, what is the attitude? An attitude of artlessness. Or guilelessness. Let us cultivate that attitude. Let us not pretend, pretend before men. Look at this one man. What did he want? He wanted honor from men. Who was that guy? So he would acknowledge his sin, but he said, you know what? I acknowledge my sin, but please let not the people think that I'm bad. First Samuel chapter 15. Then Saul said, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord. And your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice, now therefore please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. Then he said, I have sinned, yet honor me now before the elders. You know what the Bible says about Saul? First Samuel chapter 16. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, that is David, in the midst of his brothers, verse 13. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. Okay. So, one of the outworkings of, how do I know, for, for example, so how do I, how do I know that I have guile? Okay. 
How, how do I know that I have guide? See, it's very difficult to uh, know it. There is one thing a person who is guile also has. One other attribute. He works hard at pretending. But in every other thing, he's what? Lazy. What did I say? Lazy. He never works. Does it mean he's not intelligent? Oh, no, 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 no. He's very intelligent. Very sharp. I remember when I was in uh, university, we have uh, question, questions which are like uh, multiple choice questions. Four, 3G just came to, into the market those days. 3G, 4G was coming into the market and people are just buying smartphones. We were still not very smart those days. Even professors were not very smart. We had our old uh, Nokia phones with the keys. So the exam was, examination was going on and uh, we had to, I, I was invigilating and uh, there was another colleague of mine, both of us invigilating in the class. About 40 students in the class. And one girl was taking washroom breaks very regularly. She was sitting there, right there where Johnson was sitting. Okay, right there in the corner. Okay, I'm here. Johnson's, Johnson is there. My colleague was looking at her and he said, sir, I think something's wrong there. I said, what? Come, 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 let's see what's going on. This lady has a smartphone. And she was doing 4G scam. She's using internet to answer all her objective type questions. Flick the phone from her. She was acting as if nothing has happened. Nothing. No remorse. And she was look, she was giving a stare as if nothing was happened. Look how smart people are. Then I realized something. People who pretend are lazy. What are they? Lazy. Lazy people pretend. They have to pretend, no? Otherwise, how will they get marks? Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. I'm not, I'm saying, I'm not saying this. The Bible says though, says this, okay? Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. Now, this is the, the word for deceive or guile, okay? Now tell me, guess the word. Guess the word. Guess the word which is translated as something. Okay? As guile. Guile is translated as something else now. This is Proverbs chapter 10 verse 4. He becomes poor that deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Now tell me, what is the word for, for deception? You, you must, you must have guessed it right. Yeah. So can I, can I say, can I get a loud, loud, what is that? Slack. Slack. Okay. Let me just prove by another scripture. Okay. In the mouth of two, three witnesses, everything gets established. So I'm going to show you not three witnesses, several. Okay. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 24. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the, what's the, what's the word for guile? Slothful. The same word. Guile and slothful. Same. And I, 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 several days, years back, I saw a movie. Uh, Steve breaks into a house and he gets caught. The guy's got six pack. And the guy catches him and he says, what do you do? What about this? What do you do in, your, in the morning? He says, uh, physical fitness, yoga, exercise. Why? Sir, you are a software engineer, sir. You get money every end of the every month, but if somebody catches me, I have to run. So what am I doing? Exercising. The guy is so smart. 
But slothful, you see, slothful people are people who have to pretend. The lazy people in every school, they pretend a lot. You're looking at me. Lazy fellows. Lazy fellows are the pretenders of the first order. <laughs> they put everything under the carpet. <laughs> okay. And act as if everything is normal. Lazy. Another verse. Proverbs chapter 12 verse 27. The slothful man roasteth that which is that which he has took in hunting. But you know what? He doesn't even roast it. He just gets chicken and he puts it like that. That's it. Doesn't even roast. He's so so lazy. The word for slothful again is guile. Lazy people. You know that's the reason. You know what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four. Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter four. Therefore, put away. Everybody say, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give place to the devil. And goes on. Let him who stole. Steal no longer. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give the person who is in need. So sloppy people are what? Lazy people. And who are lazy people? People who have a lot of guile. Work on that. Don't have to pretend. Psalm 32. Let's move. Let's go back and finish this thought and go to the next thought. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deception or guile. And then goes on to say, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My moisture was turned into the drought of summer sailor. And then goes on to say, I acknowledged my sin unto you and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Come out clean. Confess before the Lord. You don't have to... Confess before man. If you have to, God will tell you. This is what you have to do before man. This is what you have to do before God. Go before God and say, Lord, I don't want to pretend. I want to confess. I don't want to hide. I'm tired of hiding. I want to be transparent before you. I want to be transparent before man. Let me practice this every day of my life. A man who will be guileless and without hypocrisy. It doesn't, doesn't have to pretend before you. Lord, make me such a person. Because I know you are a person who will abide on people who are artless and guileless. Make me a lamb who doesn't have to pretend. That's the first thought. Second, Luke's Gospel chapter 2. We have time, okay? So don't have to be in a hurry. We have time. It's Luke's Gospel chapter 2. <clears throat> what kind of an attribute or attitude I should inculcate so that the Spirit of God can come upon me and abide on me and not depart from me? What kind of kind of an attribute? The attribute of a lamb. And what is the first attribute of a lamb we looked at? A lamb is a lamb who is artless and guileless. Second attribute of the lamb. Luke's Gospel chapter 2, verse 51. Then he went down, this is Jesus, with them and came to Nazareth and was what? Everybody say this word. If you say it with conviction, you should be loud. Okay? I say, hear that Baba. He was subject. Say that? He was subject to them. Subject to them. Submit to them. So let me ask 
are you a person who is subject? How do we test? What does it mean to be subject? To be subordinate. Who? Jesus. Subordinate to who? Who is my father and mother? Can you be a person who is subordinate to God? Can you be? That's what I'm saying, no? It's one of the most difficult, difficult parts to play is to play what? Second fiddle. Very difficult. To be subordinate. You want to be manager, not subordinate. <laughs> Next, another, same, the word subject also means to subject oneself to what? To what? So what is a subject person who is a subject? Is a, he is a person who is obedient. Say that, obedient. Say that, everybody say obedient. Obedient. So first is is subordinate, then he is obedient. Third, what does it mean to be obedient? To submit to one's control. Who controls your life? Gee, God controls controls my life or my parents control my life. Children? Okay, if the children are not there, or children who are, who are still in your parents' house, who controls your life? Parents control your life. As long as they are putting food on the table, it is important for you to listen for, to them. And after, even after that, if they say certain good things, obey them, honor them. It's very important. Let me tell you something, my dear brothers and sisters. You will never succeed in your life if you do not have the blessing of your parents. Especially your father. That's what pastor was saying. The f- blessing of a father. That is the reason why it says, cursed is a man who does not honor his father and mother and everybody says what? Oh, you said Amen. And Jesus was a man who became a curse although he submitted himself to his father and mother. Can can you imagine this? The first thing when I go to every youth camp, I want to surrender my life to God. I want to submit myself to God. I want to live for Jesus. I want to rededicate. I said, okay, all rededication, everything is good. But will you go back home and submit yourself to your father and mother? Oh, you don't know my father. Forget about all that. Will you honor your father and mother? You cannot, because I'm telling you something. We are a generation of rebels. And we love people who are rebels. To submit somebody to under, under somebody's control is something which we hate. That is the attitude of a beast. Okay. I was, I was listening to Derek Prince. There was a place in Africa which was now becoming independent from British rule. So they were celebrating. Oh, we are going to be free. We are going to be free from tomorrow onwards. I was telling the children, no? And uh, somebody asked him, what is freedom? What do you mean uh, freedom? He says, from tomorrow onwards, we are going to enjoy freedom. So what does it mean? We can drive on any side of the road. We don't have to pay taxes. And we can do whatever we want to do. That is freedom. That is not freedom. To submit to one's control. You know what? Another thing that it means. To yield to one's admonition or advice. Can you be advised? Can you be admonished? Can you be corrected? Jesus was. He was advised by his father how to do carpentry. Can you imagine? 
That is what it means. He was empty. He emptied himself. We sang that song, no? the last, the last song, that Hindi song that we sang. He completely emptied himself of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation, and he became the form of a servant. And he said, "Dad, what you want me to do? Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. How do I have to do this? Do it this way. Do it this way." And he learned. And the Bible says he learned obedience through the things that he what suffered, and he became the author of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. So what is the other attribute of a lamb? A lamb is submissive. You know, that's the reason that the Bible says, let not your adorning be external of the braiding of the hair and putting upon expensive clothes, but let it be of the hidden person of the heart, an attitude of a meek, gentle, and a quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is most precious. Because God abides, the Holy Spirit comes and abides on people who are submissive, who yield, to, who, who take advice, who take admonition, who give them, give their lives to somebody else's control. Can you be under the control of your father and mother? Think about it, no? So many places you cannot control the children. You know why that you can't control the children? Because you're, you cannot control the parents. You can't. Be subject. Because a land is a land full of rebels. Our country, every our generation especially. It says, there is a generation which does not honor father and mother and who are very clean in their own eyes and yet not cleansed from their filthiness. We are the generation. A wicked and adulterous generation. A rebellious generation. Luke's Gospel chapter 2. Then he went down to Nazareth and was what? Subject to them. And his mother kept all these things in his heart, in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and found favor with God and favor with man. And you know, we know that very well, right? God gives what? Grace to the humble. A person who is guileless. A lamb is a person who submits and subordinates himself to the authority of elders. That's so important, my dear brothers and sisters. Very important. I cannot say that emphatically, more emphatically than this. In my own life, I can say, the hands that got burnt because of rebellion, the hands which got blessed because of submission, I experienced both. Don't be rebellious. Don't Argue with God. Don't contend with Him when He says something from His Word. Submit. Say, Lord, I'm willing to yield. That's what it means when you went into the waters of baptism and you came out a, a new man. You have the Spirit of Christ which rests in you. And what is the Spirit of Christ? A Spirit which is humble, meek, and submissive. So that the Holy Spirit can come and dwell upon you and abide on you. Holy Spirit will never abide with rebels. That's what Saul became. He became a rebel ultimately. Look at what it says about Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 and 23. Samuel said, Has the Lord a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken. Doesn't matter how many sacrifices you give to God. If you do not obey, you're not submissive. Goes on to say, For rebellion... Is a sin of which God. That's the reason why the Spirit of God left Samuel, sorry, Saul, and abided on David. One thing you look in David's life, he never rebelled with God, against God. Even when he was corrected, 
And when he was, when he was asked three questions, how, what kind of a punishment do you want? Lord, let me fall in your hands. He was a person who was submissive, who never rebelled against God. That is the reason why the spirit of God could rebel, I mean, could, 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 uh, could uh, abide with him. And he was so sensitive to it and he said, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit. And one day when he cut away the edge of the garment of his, of his master, you know what? It's his, his conscience convicted him and he says, how could I touch God's anointed? You know why? Because he had a submissive spirit. A spirit which was, which was subordinate, which, which would yield, which would take admonition and correction. And what do these people do? You have rejected the word of God. What do they do? They reject the word of God. It's not that they don't hear the word of God. A lot of people hear. Even now we know in this congregation, even my, even, even as I'm speaking, I'm hearing my words, but is everybody accepting the word of God? You may be hearing the word of God and rejecting it. Because you already have contentions in your mind. Holy Spirit cannot abide with such people. You know why? The Bible says the Holy Spirit is given to those who Obey? Obey? And why was Jesus filled without measure with the Holy Spirit? Because he was an obedient son of God and he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And he said, Lord, teach me how to obey. Increasingly, he became more and more and more perfect in obedience. Can you obey? The little things and the big things? Little things matter, my dear sisters and brothers. Little things. Car is key. Is it little? The other day I could not find it. I was running from pillar to post to find this key. I couldn't find it. So what can I do now with the car? Dead duck. That's it. It has got all the petrol, full tank, newly serviced, but no key. Obedience in little things. Obedience in big things. So when people come and look at the little, little details in your life, don't say, ah, come on, pastor, you're being too picky. No, 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 no. Because big things lie in small things. We have a poster in our school, no? Little, hand, little hands can do great things for God. Little hands can do great things for God. Little obedience, my dear brothers. Little, little, little things. If you cannot honor your father and mother whom you can see, how will you honor God whom you cannot see? If you cannot honor your elders and pastors whom you can see, (laughs) how you can honor God whom you cannot see? I'm telling you, we're living in a generation. I cannot reiterate this enough because I'm seeing right from childhood how children throw tantrums and parents give in to the tantrums of the children. We are training them to become rebels. We don't want to be a generation such as this, right? So how does rebellion look like? Let me show you. Ezekiel chapter 2. Few verses from Ezekiel chapter 2. Because Ezekiel is one chapter where you will see this one word rebellion coming over and over again. Where? Not among Gentiles. Among God's people. That's the problem. Your Gentiles are stiff-necked. No, 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 no. Ninevites were not stiff-necked. Israelites were stiff-necked. It took God a storm and a veil to make Jonah humble. What did, what did it take God? A storm 
and a veil to make Jonah humble. And who's Jonah? Israelite. And it took one word from Jonah to humble an entire Gentile town. Now think about that. 40 days and in a ways no more. Finished, everybody started repenting from the greatest to the end. And even the animals started repenting. How, how did they do that? We don't know. Everybody started repenting. One word. But it took storm and a, and, 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 and a whale to humble Jonah. Even till the second day, he was still not ready. Let me die. And on the third day, from the depths of the belly, 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 he cries out. He says, Lord, those who pursue after worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Lord, please have mercy upon me. And then the whale, what did he do? Vomited him out. Can you imagine that? So who is more stubborn? Do you think the Gentiles are stubborn? You know why God saved us? I'll tell you why God saved us. To show how stiff-necked and rebellious we are. We we are so far from being lambs. We are unlike our master. Look at what it says in Ezekiel chapter 2. Let's read that. A few verses from Ezekiel chapter 2. And he said to me, Son of man, stand stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet. And I heard him who spoke to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel. To a what nation? A rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. Now, who are these people? Are they in prosperity? No. They are in exile. Have they learned their lesson? After God admonished them and disciplined them? No. Goes on to say, for they are an impudent and what children? Stubborn children. I am sending you to them and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, ask for them whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that there was a prophet among them. Now, as I told you, right, rebellious people, it is not that they don't hear the word of God. What do they do to the word of God? They reject the word. How do they hear the word? Oh, very well. They will appreciate your sermons also. Look at how, how they appreciated the same phrase. Look at this phrase, no? Yet they will know that a prophet has been among. Look at the phrase, okay? Look at that phrase. Now look at how they respond to Ezekiel's prophecies. Ezekiel chapter 33. As for you, son of man, the children of your people are talking about you. What are they talking about me? Gossip? No, 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 no. Look at what they're saying. Beside the walls and the doors of the houses, and they speak to one another, everyone saying to his brother, please come and hear the word of God. You know what? You should go to that church, GTC for example. You should hear the pastor. Oh, he speaks so well. He speaks the oracles of God. You should come and listen to the sermon. Hear the word that comes from who? From the Lord. So they are very... I told you, you know, the people, they are, these are not people who do not hear the word. What do they do? They reject the word. Look at what it says. Next verse. So they come to you as people do. They sit before you as my people and they hear your words, son of man. But they do not do them. That's a problem. For with their mouth they show much love, but their hearts pursue their own. In other words, even as they're hearing the word, they say, what is in it for me? Again. And then it goes on to say, how are you? Indeed, you are to them as a very lovely song. You are like uh, 
the best song from podcast now. Who has a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument for they hear your words but they do not know them and when this comes to pass, surely it will come, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. What's the problem? They hear the word, they enjoy the word, but they do not do the word. What are they? God, what, what does God call them? Rebellious. Again, goes on to say, Ezekiel chapter 3. Then he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my word to them. For you are sent to a people of, of not of un, uh, unfamiliar speech, of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Is it that they don't understand the language that you are speaking? Don't they understand what faith is? They understand what faith is. Do they, don't they understand what obedience is? They understand what obedience is. Don't they understand what subjection is? They understand what subjection is. Don't they understand what uh, what uh, attendance to churches? How important churches? They understand everything. They understand everything very well. They are scholars in the Bible, but they don't do it. That's a problem. So what's the first, second attitude? The attitude of people who just keep on hearing, 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 but don't do one thing that they hear. Think about it. How much have we grown in obedience? We heard, for example, for example, let's start with the family. Husbands love your wives. This person, this person that you gave me, is it not true when you went to your father and mother, you said, I fell in love with this girl. I will die if I don't marry her. Now you are saying you are dying because you married her. Remember, no? How, how parents, how children will come, mama, mama, I can't live without this girl, mama. I can't live without. Very well, you could live without her now. This wife who gave. How they complain? So easy. I'm telling you, I've seen people, how they've fallen apart in their marriages. Richer for poor? In sickness and in health? Till death do us part. It sounds very romantic. But when trouble comes, isn't it true? So, very simple. Husbands, love your wives. Don't we understand that? Oh, we understand very well. Just as Christ Jesus loved the church and gave himself for her. Don't we understand that? Absolutely we understand. Does it sound good to hear? Yes. We say, Pastor, that message convicted me. What a, what a message, Pastor. There are many males, but no men. Kya baat hai? But have you become a man? Can we sit? See, that's a problem. It's not that we don't hear, but we have rejected the word. We already have counter arguments in our mind as to why we should not obey. Okay, that is men. Let's come to the wives. Wives, submit your husband in all things. All things? To this guy? Didn't you say, Mama, 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 I can't live without this boy. Now you are doing everything in your capacity to hide from this boy. Think about that. You see, don't we hear it? 
Absolutely. You know, a lot of women like to learn about what men have to be, <laughs> but they don't want to like to hear about what women have to be. <laughs> I'm not saying you should not hear to us to what men have to be. I'm not saying that at all. Oh, it sounded so good. That message to men was fantastic. Kya baat hai? Wait till the message to women comes. Then we will see how happy you will be. Oh, Eureka, we got it. You will say that? I don't think so. How dare pastor says this to us? He doesn't know what we are going through. He very well knows very everything that you are going through. Children, submit your parents. Different ways we have said that. Jokes we gave. We pretended. We acted. We did stand-up comedy. Everything we did. You said, fantastic sermon, pastor. It convicted me. Did you do it? Did you do one bit? Can I get a reference letter from my father and mother? Think about it. I remember one young man wanted to go to Bible college and he said, pastor, can you give me a reference letter? And pastor said, you want a reference letter from me? (laughs) I'll give you a reference letter. Can you get a reference letter? You'd see that's, that's a problem. You hear and hear and we deceive ourselves in th- into thinking that because we have heard such fantastic mo- messages and we have appreciated them and we know the language, we understand all doctrine, but we do not have love, my dear brothers. Because we don't do it. And you think that the Spirit of God can abide with us? No. We are stubborn. We are set in our ways. He said, it's not like you don't understand this. This is familiar territory for most of you. You know, one of the most difficult things to do is to be a preacher or a pastor to the same church, to the same congregation for 30 years. Because after the 10th sermon is over, the 11th sermon, you know already what is coming. You know all the jokes. You know where the pastor is going. You know which message is going to, which, which, which verse is going to, you know, if Pastor James, I, I, I mean, if I had to sit with Pastor James, I can precisely tell you what the next four, five verses will be. After he gives one, one thought. When he gives one thought, I can say, oh, this, 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 where he's going to go. I know him so clearly and familiar. What he tells me, I understand it perfectly. In fact, better than what he wants me to understand. But do I do it? That's a whole different ballgame altogether. The most difficult thing to be is to be a pastor to the same people for 30 years. 35 years, for example. Because you already know what is coming. You are familiar with the doctrine. But the problem is, the doctrine has not become life. And therefore you struggle because you have what we call as a stubborn spirit. And God cannot allow his spirit to abide with stubborn people. If the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear my heart, do run what? Harden your hearts as a day of rebellion. And then it says, not too many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, if I had sent to them, they would have understood. You know what, what happens? You know what? When you take this message and go to another church, oh, they will fall at your feet. We have never heard anything like this. Pastor, can you come back? They will listen and respond so quickly. But when you come back to your local church, boy, they've been hearing this for the past 20 years. They are people who are set in their ways. Do you think we can be a people who will who will have the Holy Spirit comfortable in our midst when we have a hard and an impudent and a stubborn heart which doesn't want to obey? 
You are already set in your ways. I can, I can give you so many truths that we have learned over the years. How much of it we have adhered to and we have, I mean, like Pastor keeps telling me, Vijay, you have to go back home. By 8 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 7.30, go back home. And it's one thing that I have to come to terms with. Stop and I'm saying, Lord, how set I am in my ways. If I go back home, like, I don't know what to do sometimes. Because, because the office has become familiar territory now. And in fact, if you go to my Swiggy, GTC office is home. <laughs> That's how I saved it. I saved it home as Jess. And GTC office as home. Habits die hard. Unbelievable is something. I'm, I'm looking at my, that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not saying something which I'm not trying to live myself. But to the house of Israel will not listen to you. Because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are imputed and hard-hearted. So what should we do? What should we do? As I I told you, we can only apply all these at the individual level, my dear brothers and sisters. I told you that. We cannot do it at the corporate level. It has to start with the microcosm, at the microcosm, at the individual. Ezekiel chapter 2. But you, son of man. (laughs) In other words, he's saying, son of man, I'm sending you to an impudent and hard-hearted people. Those fellows will not listen to you. Don't get discouraged. You. Hear what I say. Do not be rebellious like them. In other words, you know what? Ezekiel, only one thing you can do in your life. You cannot change one person to whom I'm I'm sending you to. Only one thing can happen. You can change your own self. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. And over the period of time, I've realized only one thing that I can do. I can only change myself. It is not my pastor. It is not my, 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 my wife or anybody in my, in my, in my sphere of influence. The only person ultimately who has effect over my life is me. Sometimes issues and situations come into, come into your life. Your pastor can do nothing. Only you can stand on your own faith. That's all. They can only pray for you maybe. You can only deal at the individual level. You have to make a decision and say, Lord, I don't care what other people are. I don't want to be influenced by their stiff-neckedness or stubbornness. But Lord, I want to be a person who is humble and broken in your midst. I want to eat. So what, what should I do? Open your mouth and eat what I give you. What should you do? Not here. Eat. You know what eating is? A lot of people can't eat. That's the reason the Bible says, by this time, you should have been what? Teachers, because I still have to give you milk. If I give you solid food, you will have loose motion. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me and behold a scroll of a book. Then he spread it before me and there was writing on the inside and outside and written on it was lamentations and mourning and woe. And what did I do? Moreover, said, he said to me, chapter 3, son of man, eat what you find. Eat the scroll. And go and speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth. And he caused me to eat that scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly. Fill your stomach with the scroll that I give you. So I ate it. And it was to me as 
honey for sweetness. I hope the words which I speak to you to this morning will become honey for you. You know, when will it become honey for you? And you say, Lord, I want to digest this and I want to make it a part of my life. I want to eat it. Because whatever you eat is what you become. Right? You eat an egg. Afterward, egg, egg disappears. And what does it become? It becomes you. Right? Egg disappears and it becomes you. You eat palak. After you eat palak, what happens? It becomes you don't become palak. Palak becomes you. You eat pork. After you eat pork, what it becomes? You don't become. <laughs> you don't become a pig. Pig becomes. <laughs> oh Lord have mercy. <laughs> you don't become a pig. Pig becomes you. Ultimately. I remember when I, when I was in when I was in Canada, I, I went to a uh, to a restaurant to have a have breakfast. No, it was called BLT sandwich, bacon lettuce tomato. I didn't even know bacon, what bacon was. It sounded fantastic and it looked great and crispy. I said one BLT sandwich, please. I ate it. I enjoyed it. I went back home. Hey, macha, today breakfast I had BLT sandwich, and there was a Brahmin in my in my in my group. He said breakfast ki panda. You're having pig for breakfast? Then I said, Bandi? Oh my goodness. In other words, you know what it means? However difficult the word of God looks, seems to you, eat it. And when you eat it and when you digest it, it becomes you. That's the miracle of eating. Do you see? Every time you eat upma today this morning, ultimately, what does upma become? Vijay. Ultimately, you eat the word of God. What should the word of God become? Vijay. So what he's saying? Eat the word until it becomes you. Don't rebel. Oh, my dear brothers and sisters, you've already made a decision, I know. <laughs> I can see your faces. You have already made your decision. As to what you want to become. Ezekiel chapter 12. Look at another symptom of rebellion. It looks, I told you, you know, it looks very subtle. <laughs> you see, these people are sitting and saying, Pastor, tell me, Pastor, what it is? Guru Mukhasya Vidyala Bhete. And they are listening to you so nicely, but are they obeying? They are giving you what five ratings, hundred likings, etc. More subscriptions are coming to your YouTube channel. Of course, in our channel, it doesn't happen that way. A lot of people leave. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what is it? Another, another, another subtle way of, of rebellion. Let me show you. Ezekiel chapter 12. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house. But this guy, Ezekiel, what a difficult task he had. You see the word rebellion occurs the maximum number of times in the book of Ezekiel. Maximum. What a prophet, what is your 
sorry, what is your calling? To speak to a rebellious house. You will speak and speak and speak. You will not find one convert. That is your calling. Lord, give me one convert. Like Jonah, Lord, please, Lord, one convert. No. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house which has eyes, but they do not see. They have ears to hear, but they do not hear. Why? Because they are a rebellion. They don't get it. You know why? Because there is a spirit of rebellion inside of them. And how does it manifest itself? Look at what it says. Therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity. In other words, you act it out. Okay. Play it out before them, son of man. What is going to happen to them if they don't obey? And go into captivity by day in their sight. You shall go from your place into captivity another place in their sight. It may be that they will consider, though they are a rebellious house. Dig through the wall in their sight and carry your belongings through it. In their sight you shall bear them in your shoulders and carry them out. In twilight you shall cover your face so that you cannot see the ground. For I have made you a sign to the house of Israel. They saw it. They saw, okay, what is going to happen? What is the meaning of this? Meaning of this? If you do not obey the word of God, you will go into captivity. You will become captive to your sin. You will become captive to your, to your circumstance. You will be a captive of the devils. You will become a place of bondage. Your life will be absolutely in tatters if you don't listen to me. Is it going to come to pass? Absolutely. I have become a sign. What do they say? What do they say? Again, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, look what the house of Israel is saying. The vision that he sees is for many days. It is not going to happen in my time. Oh! In the future, who saw? Kal ko, kal kisne, kisne deka? Okay? And he prophesies of times far off. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord God, none of the words will be postponed anymore, but the word which I speak will be done, says the Lord. You know what the Bible says about the last days? Second Peter chapter 3, verse 3 onwards. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For thus, they, this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and earth standing out of water, and in the water was judged. They are willfully disobedient. They chose let me tell you something. It is appointed to die once. We do not know when that is coming. We only know how many days we lived. We do not know how many days we have. So make every day count. Don't postpone. So what is rebellion? They keep on postponing. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. That's exactly what they did, no? Tomorrow we will hear. We will listen to you at an opportune time. Felix was so disturbed when he heard Paul, when he talked about righteousness and self-control and judgment. And next time he said, you know what? I will call you at an opportune moment. And every time he called him, every time he listened to him, but he never changed. never changed. 
Don't give me hard looks. That's what, I, that's what God tells Ezekiel. Ezekiel, when you go and prophesy to them, they'll give you hard looks. But don't be scared. Speak what I said you. Ask you to speak. So first thing, an attitude of guilelessness. Say everybody, an attitude of guilelessness. Second thing, an attitude of submission. Say that, attitude of submission. That is an attitude of a lamb where the spirit can come and abide with you. The third and the last. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how after he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, he went around doing good. An attitude of a life lived out for others, not for yourself. Let me tell you something. Nobody lives for yourself. Even as I'm living my own life, you know what? You are getting influenced. Either positively or negatively. Nobody lives for themselves. Why is anointing given? So that you help others. Why is prosperity given? So that you help others. Why are gifts given? So that you help, you help others. Why does God have to anoint you? That's exactly what Pastor was saying in the last moment. Why should God anoint you? Why should God give you authority? Why should he give you power? Why should the Holy Spirit come upon you and abide with you? To live for yourself. How he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because who was with him? God was with him. That's exactly what happened. Joseph, wherever Joseph went, who was with him? God was with him. And what was Joseph doing? He was living not for himself, but for God and for the benefit of others. At Potiphar, in Potiphar's house, he was living for the benefit of, Potiphar, of, of God and Potiphar. When he was in the prison, he was living for the benefit of the prison and for, uh, for God and for the people in the prison. When he was prince of Egypt, he was not living for themselves, for himself. He was living for the benefit of the whole world and also for the benefit of his own people. Okay. Let me tell you. Take your eyes from yourself. Look unto Jesus this morning, my dear brothers and sisters. Look unto Let it count for God and for his kingdom. Luke's Gospel chapter 4. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Why did he anoint me? For myself? No. So that I can get, earn a lot of money and build myself a big house? No. Every time I speak to pastor, he says, Vijay, we should have a campus like this for others. For others. So that our people will have a safe place so that they can grow and know the uh, ways of God and grow in God and find purpose for their own lives. Let me end with these verses from the epistle to the Philistines. For Philippians, not the Philistines, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I apologize. That was not tongue-in-cheek, okay, but that was Holy Spirit just blurting out, okay. The letter to the Philistines, okay. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2. Let's read it together. Let's read it, okay. You know, maybe in your own minds. This is in the NIV version. In your, what? Relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature, what? God. 
You know, that's a clear astonishment. You should read it like, who being God? What did he do? He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, the other translations will use the word bond servant. Being made in likeness, in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the death, even death on a cross. And therefore, the Spirit of God abided upon him. And the Bible says, even the death on the cross, you know what the Bible says in the book of Hebrews? He, through the eternal Spirit of God, offered himself once for sins. Through the eternal Spirit of God, offered himself once for sins. Sins of all mankind, not for himself. And therefore the Spirit of God came upon him and abided with him. That is the attitude of a lamb. Three attitudes. What is that first thing? Guilelessness. Second thing, submission. Third thing, living for others and not for yourselves. And even as we are here in this campus, in this, in these days, may we ask God, Lord, make us a church. This is a corporate body, the church of the living God, who will have the attitude of a lamb where your spirit can come and abide in our midst and do its work, his work in our lives. Can we all stand up this morning? Pastor, you should come and, and give. Sammy, just take this off and give past. Check, check. Hallelujah. This morning, truly believe God allowed this meeting to take place in a place like this where we have no constraint about time. Otherwise, we should be moving out if it was in the other place. The next service would be starting. So God had it is recent. And if you listened... Probably is one of the most important messages you have heard in your lifetime. Young and old. Okay, young and old. It's a very serious message. Because the spirit God gives us is going to live with us forever. You're not going to escape the Holy Spirit even in eternity. Forever and ever. Go back home and read Acts chapter 1 and verse 2. And you will see something that's very interesting. I remember the first time I noticed it. See, you have to read the Bible over and over and over and over again. And keep listening over again to see what God says. And where it says, the resurrected Jesus taught his disciples through the Spirit. Meaning the Holy Spirit filled Jesus. Never left. Never left. Do you know what it means? Even now, there is no guile in him. 
even now, is absolutely subject to the Father. Even now, He lives forever to make intercession for the saints. He, even now, He loves to serve others. If that is the husband, what kind of a wife is he looking for? And this is picture. Abraham sends his chief servant to look for a bride for Isaac. And the only condition Eliezer sets is that this is what I will ask. And this is what she will do. And Rebecca is not coming from some small family or anything in Haran. She's probably, her, her father is probably one of the richest guys in the family. Okay. And if you look at that, that's the kind of girl she is. It's the kind of girl she is. No guile. Absolutely subject. And she's willing not only to serve him, the servants with him, but also the camels. Okay. okay. And think about these things. Okay. We are all on the road, but see that you're on the right road. On the right road. Some road everybody is on. And uh, nice as a servant of God, as I look at Pastor Vijay cuts himself off news. I cut myself into the news because I have to speak to so many other people also in other nations. And I look and I see how close the end is. How close the end is. Unless God resets something in the next two years, if he doesn't do something by 2024, it's over. It's over. And we don't even have to wait till 2024. We'll know it by the end of the year. We'll know it by the end of the year. What I'm saying is that previous generations at least had time to put their lives right. We don't even have that. We are living literally on borrowed time. We don't even have time to put our lives right like a previous generations did. We don't have. That's why it's so important that forget all these things. Okay. Yes, we are a unique church because of the nature of the church. You have churches, people, often homes, orphans, Broken homes, broken marriages, single mothers, single fathers, everything is here. But that does not excuse disobedience. Does not. What you or I went through is not an excuse for not obeying God. Because Joseph came from a dysfunctional family. His brothers sold him. His own ten brothers sold him. He came from an absolutely broken down home. He didn't change one bit his response to how he should live. There was no guile in him. He was always subject to those under him he had been placed. First to God and to that man. If there was a discordance between these two, he always went with God to the cost of imprisonment and slavery and chains. And he always looked as serve others. Therefore, a type, God could use him till the end of his life. And a lot of you are young. So many young people sitting over. Lord, look at the back row. Look at over there. I gave you that verse from Ecclesiastic. Which one was that, Pastor Vijay? 1110? 
10, 11 or 11, 10. Let's have it again. On the screen. 11, 10 or 10, 11? Yeah, Ecclesiastic. Okay, you, you can read it. Just give me my Bible from there. I think they disconnected it, right? Okay. Don't worry about lunch. Lunch will be served. <laughs> it will be served. Ten, uh, eleven, ten. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put evil from your flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Childhood and youth are. See that one verse I actually missed in the book of Ecclesiastes connected with vanity. Everything else was vanity, vanity, vanity. First chapter, second chapter, all vanity. But this one missed my eyes for a long time. And I realized how true it is. Because I can't remember anything about my childhood or youth which was profitable. It was all waste of time. The books I read, the movies I watched, the songs I hummed and tuned, the friends I had, nobody, nothing I did in my youth until I met Jesus Christ was vanity, emptiness, useless. You're young here. Like I said, Joseph became king, prince at 30, died at 110. Because when he was young, his life was not vanity. Okay. Life was not vanity. When he was young, he made the right choices. So I say youth, of course, okay. I, I'm not saying you shouldn't have fun. <laughs> but even in the book of Proverbs and Ecclesi, he says, you know what, all that fun is meaningless. It's all meaningless. Okay, it's, okay. Walk away from fun which does not have meaning. Okay. Because I saw you singing yesterday. Absolutely. If I look like a youth camp, I remember that youth camp. Okay, I still remember. 1983. Before the youth camp, the day I got saved, now I look back and I realize that 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 day I felt nothing. I at that time it didn't make any difference. I went on my knees. He repeated a prayer. I repeated a prayer. Asked Jesus to come into my heart. But when I look back, that day changed my life. It was something like just like a small turn. It's not like Paul's kind of a radical turn, a small turn. But the direction changed. Direction changed. Two months later in a camp like this, in a youth camp, I put up my hand for ministry, full-time ministry, without even understanding what ministry, I did not even know what a ministry was, because I had never been in a Protestant church to understand what ministry is being born, brought up in a Catholic family. But now I look back, you know what? Everything changed based on two decisions which I made when I was around 18 years old. Everything. 
See, you may not mean something, or you may be half serious, but God is very serious. Very serious. Okay? But God is God. He expects, when you say something, God says, okay, I take you seriously. You can't go five years down and say, Lord, I wasn't serious, but I took you seriously. Just imagine I go to my father and I say, my father, dad, dad, I want to do engineering, Lord, I want to do engineering. Well, okay. I take you seriously. Let's say I'm not good in academics. He said, buy the seats for me. Three years down, Lord, dad, I am not serious. He said, better study. I put my money in over there. Okay. Because when you go, he takes you seriously. And he took me seriously. And I look back and I realize, after that, nothing seems to be working in my life until I took what I told him seriously. And some of you are facing storms and nothing will go right in your life until you come back to your first love. Nothing will come back right. Because he took you seriously when you said, Lord, I am yours. Nothing is going to. You can make all excuses. You can say whatever you want. But you don't have to waste your life. It will not go. Like I told about the prodigal son. He was a son. He was a prodigal son. He was a rebellious son. But he was a son. That was the problem. He was a son. He was not a Gentile. He was a son. He could walk out away from his father's house. There was no way he was getting away from the hand of God. After that... The famine. He had to reach that end. If you are a true child of God, you can run on your own stream. You can run as fast as you want. But I'm prompted by the authority of God's word. You will reach that point. He will reach you. Then you will come back. Come back. And you will come back with nothing, just with your salvation. Because when the boy came back, he had blown away his inheritance just gone. He just enters into the kingdom of God with the skin of his teeth. That's all. That's how it works. Because he takes you seriously. Are you a son? You are a son. Are you a daughter? You are a daughter. You are not getting away from the father's hands. Everything else that you do is vanity. Vanity. You get married, it will not work. Outside the will of God. It will not work. God will not allow it to work. Then God has to change himself. It will not work. You pick a career against the will of God, your career will not succeed. If it succeeds, he will bring it to a dead end. Why? Because you are a son. Not because you are a Gentile, because you are a son. It will not work. Until you come and surrender and say, Father, thy will be done and not mine. At the pig pen, the boy came on his knees and said, Not my will, your will be done. And through it all, the father had never changed. His love had never changed. He always loved his son. That's why they used two terms, love and approval. You don't have to do anything for God's love. But you will have to do everything for his approval. God loves everybody. He doesn't approve everybody. And that's where our struggle comes. It's a very, very powerful message. Powerful message. The Lamb of God has to abide in us and upon us. Us and upon us. Okay. There are three things God demands about Jesus Christ. If you read Peter's letter, he says, There was no deceit 
or guile found in his mouth. That's what I said when God says something. And God says something through his servants. He may not even know you. But you know God is speaking to you. Take it very seriously. There was no guile in Jesus' mouth. When he said, go and tell that fox. He said, I meant what I said. He is a fox. He's a fox. And he speaks through his servant John. says, you are a brood of sinus, brood of wipers. Stand back and say, God called me a wiper. Don't get offended. I got the character of a snake in me. I need to get right with God. That's what it means. It's a, he was not never politically correct. There was no deceit in his mouth. No deceit in his mouth. He spoke absolutely the truth because he will not be culturally, politically correct. Jesus will not be. When he speaks something. So sometimes when you are even hearing online some other preacher and he is calling somebody by name. I am not talking about a prophetic this thing. Okay. You will hear in your heart, you are that man, you are that woman, the Holy Spirit is saying, because there is no deceit in him. The Holy Spirit will never lie because he is called the spirit of truth. Like I said last week, our issue is with the spirit because he is the spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you. The problem is, he can only lead who are willing to receive the truth. And the problem is, we are born in sin, shaped by iniquity. What was the iniquity? All of your scholars, now you have heard enough. Now what was that iniquity? Right, and what was that sin? Lie. Lie. Iniquity was pride. Sin was lie. What is how God made us? Equity. We are humble. And what is we have become? We receive truth. The truth about ourselves. We want to know. Our ears are so eager to know the truth about somebody else. In the kingdom of God, it doesn't work. I don't want to know here about anybody else unless it's a matter of the church. And I have to intervene as a pastor. But as James, I want to know only the truth about myself. I don't want a truth about anybody else. And only God can tell because even I do not know the truth about myself. In Psalm 51, 5, David says, right? I was born. I was born that way. We were born liars. We don't lie and become liars. We were born as liars. Born as liars. It was nothing. That's why he looked at Nathaniel and said, this guy is a true Israelite. True Israelite. Because there is no deceit in his mouth. You know? And be the set of people who do not want flattery. Because that's the thing about the Antichrist. That's why we just showed one portion from Daniel. He will deceive people through flattery. Deceive people through flattery. Deception and flattery goes together. Meaning telling you something which makes you so feel good. Even though deep inside you know it's not true. But you feel good anyway. But if somebody comes and says, this is what it is, you feel offended immediately. Be careful, because things are coming. So getting closer and closer and closer. The thing is that when the day of testing comes, will we be really able to stand? I look at this country, that's why I'm not so excited about 75 years. and Look, it's just a number. 
Where is this country going? Where is this country going? And what is the, where is the church going? And I have never issues with governments. I have only issues with the church. Because governments for 2000 years have been always been the same. The issue is the church. And the issue with the church ends up with the individual. As Pastor Vijay said, it's true. I can't change anybody. I can only change myself. I can counsel. I can pray. I can advise. I can set rules. But rules, all rules can be broken. What are you going to have? CCT cameras which has infrared also that in the night also I can see what you do. How long? I will also fall asleep. But we have a God who neither sleeps nor slumbers. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He watches over his people. They're going out and they're coming in. We like it for protection. What about prevention? We like it for protection, right? What about prevention? CCTV cameras for the prevention of crime. We think it is protection. No, it's for the prevention of crime. So think this morning, seriously. It's a retreat. Meaning you come apart with God. Swiggy office is home. <laughs> no, it's true, I tell him every day, go back home, go back home, go back home, go back home, go back home. Why? I said, because your children will grow up. There is only a certain season in your life you can influence your children. After that, you lose your power to influence them because the world starts influencing them. Go home, go home, go home, go home, go home, go home. The children are small, go home. Go home. Fathers, go home. Mothers, be home. Let your children see you, how you live. Because an influence, a godly parent lives upon their child stays with them for a lifetime. Samuel doesn't need Hannah after five. She has left her mark upon him. He will be a praying, praying prophet all the days of his life. The mark a godly mother left on his life. We think it's education in the world that matters. No, the imprint the parents love upon their, upon their children. Imagine those things. Okay. The world has nothing to offer the kingdom of God. Absolutely nothing. Work hard. Do well. When you come back home, forget it. As Jesus said, wash your feet before you get into your house. Wash the world out. Okay. Once you have known this, you have heard this. No. We become stiff-necked. We resist the spirit of God and we reject the word of God. Resist the spirit of God and we reject the word of God. And after time, you'll realize slowly, the spirit of God's voice gets silent, silent. One day it just stops in our life. It doesn't speak anymore. You see there? Yes, if you are saved. Does he speak? No. Do you know that what it means? If you are really genuinely saved, it just means you will be saved. All your works will be burned up. They talk about shadow areas in the kingdom of God, where people live in shadow areas because they have no rewards. They never see the face of the Father. His name is not on their forehead. They never reign with Him, but they are in, but they are not really in. You want to live like that for eternity? Better than hell. Because every decision you make on earth has its eternal implications. 
That's why the Bible says, if you sow in the spirit, you reap what? What? Everlasting life. If you sow. If you sow in the flesh, what do you reap? Corruption. That's also eternal. Yeah. So make this choice today. Make this decision. All of us, including me, all of us. Because we struggle with the decisions. We struggle. But somewhere or other, we need to. Okay, we need to. We need to. Because our issue is, I was listening, I'm not mentioning names, because then immediately you will tune off, and from tomorrow onwards you will only listen to. That's why I don't listen to, recommend people to you, except Derek Prince. Because he's a teacher. Because if you listen to Derek Prince, if you can listen to Derek Prince, that means you are a good listener. Because he's one of the most monotonous speakers God ever sent on earth. He will not flatter you with illustrations. He doesn't have that kind of... He just will stand there in one tone. He will teach. So if you can, listen to him. You are a disciple. That's why both of us only will mention his name from here. And this is a preacher. He is almost 90 years old. And he says, Your worst enemy is... Nobody outside. It is inside. You. Your worst enemy is nobody outside. It is you. You are your worst enemy. Shaped in sin. Birthed in iniquity. Liar by birth. That's why the the Bible says in James, the worst deception is self-deception. How do you deceive yourself? You lie to yourself. You lie to yourself. I will make it. When you are not doing anything about making it. You are not doing anything today to change. But you still say, I will make it one day. And then when the exam comes, you fail. The worst deception. Worst. I can lie to my wife, I can lie to my children, I can lie to my congregation. Those are not such dangerous lies. The worst lies I say are the lies I say to myself. If you stop lying to you, that's what I said, no, yesterday. The disciples came back and they reported to Jesus what they did and what they said. He's the only one who can nail down your lies and judge your works. For every careless word you have uttered, God says, you will be account. So why don't be accountable today? Every work you have done in the body, good or evil, you will be judged. Why don't we be judged today? Start today, August 14th, start today. Then you can enter into India's freedom. What is the point of all this all this general knowledge. Hmm? If I ask, some people will say, and we will feel so good. Even if, I mean, there was, there was um, this small video in US. Old people, okay, guys, going through the mall in a Christian nation and asking, $50, sir, if you can quote once verse. Ah, he doesn't know. Next one, $50, sir. Not one verse from the Bible in a Christian nation could anybody quote. Nobody could quote. They don't know their Bible. 
And they claim to be a Christian nation. And do you know, for the first time in America's history, according to the poll, it has fallen below 50% those who claim to be Christians. It is 47 now Christian and 53% they claim not to be Christians. You have hope for that nation? Very difficult. That's what Derek Prince said about the tyranny of, of democracy. All it takes is 51% to destroy your nation. So think on these things. Serious things. These are serious, serious things because we are coming. There are decisions that we have to be made. Okay. And guard your lives, guard your homes. Don't take these things lightly. And don't worry about provision. That's what everybody worries about, provision. Don't worry about provision. It will come. You put your nose right, the rest will follow. You don't put your nose right, nothing goes right in your life. Even what you think going right is a deception. So this morning, let's make that commitment to the Lord. We heard a very, very powerful word from his servant. And we say, Lord, not tomorrow. I've heard your voice. I will not harden my heart. I will stop deceiving myself. I will stop deceiving myself. Today, I've heard your voice. Bible says the deceitfulness of sin. Deceitfulness of sin. The deceitfulness of sin. So let's bow our heads. Simple. No, I can pray over you. I can only pray for myself. Can pray over you. Can only pray actually for myself. So let's, let me pray. And we pray together, each one, in your own hearts, with God. He's speaking to you. It's not the same struggle. Struggles are different. But the struggle is still the same. At one level, it's still the same. It's a struggle of obedience. It's a struggle of subjection. Being subject to God. That's our struggle, to be subject. Such a huge struggle we have, to be subject. So let's pray. Father, this morning we come to you. Yes, Lord, we look at your son, we know we have to become like your son. And we won't become in one day, but that's not an excuse. Unless little by little, we are really truly changing. And that we are not fooling around with sin. Samson was fooling around with Delilah. Delilah was not fooling around with Samson. She had already taken the money and she was after his anointing. This would be serious. The devil is after our eyes. It is after our strength. It is after our calling. It is he's after our destiny. It's after everything that you have for us. He's not fooling with us. He's very serious. Today, Father, I pray, individually, everyone will make a decision. Lord, the excitement, the joy, the fire that you are lighting here in these two days will never go out. It will not go out. I will be committed to you, Father, so help me, Lord. I want to be committed to you all the days of my life. To your spirit, to your word, 
Do your body on earth, here now where we are, maybe you move some to other places, but I will be always committed, Father. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be spat out of your mouth. I don't want a false reputation. Looking alive, but dead. Having a form of godliness, but with no power. I want to be a true child of God. No more pretense. No more pretense. Deliver us from ourselves, Lord. Deliver us from the lie we have believed. Pretend. free. And only the truth can set us free. Nothing can set us free. If you have spoken to everyone different areas of their life and the spirit has convicted you and telling, I'm talking to you. You are that person. Because you have deceived yourself. You are that person. And if God is saying, look back into your life. All the days of your life, you always had an issue with authority. Always had an issue with authority. And you always pointed the finger at others. But you had an issue with subjection. And today, humble yourself. Or you are that person who was always selfish. You pretended to be serving others, but you are always serving yourself. You never put your hand into anything unless you had something for yourself there. If you are any one of these three, or all of these three, say, Lord, like David said, I am that man. I cannot hide myself from you. Where can I hide myself from you? I want to stop pretending, Lord. I'm tired of pretending. As your servant said, pretending is the hardest to work. You have to work so hard to pretend to be something which you know you are not. The day pretense ends, you will realize how free you are. How liberating it is. And I pray, Father, today, pretense will stop. With you, we don't have to perform. Because on that day, we'll be only judged by truth. No lie. No pretense. Nothing is going to be rewarded that day. Nothing. Only truth. Only true subjection to authority. Only the works that you truly did through us. Only those are going to be rewarded. Nothing else. And I pray, Father, today, true surrender will take place. Individuals would be restored. You would begin that work today. Homes would be restored. Families would be restored. 
how souls would be restored. Help us, Lord. Help us. And healing will flow. Deliverance will take place. And you will make us whole. I will do what I have to do as a servant. I will pray over your people. Whether you are afflicted in the body or afflicted in the soul, be healed in Jesus' name. If your life is afflicted, if your home is afflicted, be healed in Jesus' name. Be made whole in Jesus' name. You may have come bound, but go home unbound, released, free. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen, amen, amen.